Welcome to She Is Becoming. We are a podcast of multi-generational women dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we love to study the Bible together. You can find our episodes on culture, doctrine, church history, and more on whatever podcast platform you typically use. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram, too, yes, because please. we post fun stuff on Instagram. We it's do. at She's Becoming Podcast. Well, I am your co-host, Delaney, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Bev, in the studio. Hey, Delaney. This is a special day, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we're joined by others today. We have not only one guest, not but we one. have two guests today. And it's not Jax. And it's not Jax. Yeah. We miss him. We miss him. But today we have two guests. We have guests who are friends, and we even have a mom with us. We, we won't say whose mom, whose mom? this yeah. really yeah. is, yeah. but let me introduce them. First of all, Stephanie. Stephanie Armstrong is wife to Travis, celebrating 20 years in August. Mom to four kids, a beautiful daughter, and three amazing boys, truly. Uh, Stephanie has been a member of Grace for the last 17 years, serving in marriage ministry with her husband, Travis, familiar name to all of us, and in women's ministry as a writer and Bible teacher. Stephanie actually wrote our Genesis study, which we will be starting in the fall, so we can't wait to hear from her today. She's done an awful lot of studies, so she's got an awful lot to share with us. And I'd also like to welcome Sherry Dobbs, mom to Delaney. Hello. Hi, mom. Uh, (laughs) And a wonderful women's director here at church. Um, She's been here as our director for five years. She's married, of course, to Pastor Troy and has three truly amazing children. Beautiful, that Beautiful. oldest. Uh-huh. Stunning. Yes. And one sweet little grandson, Jax, that we love him too. Her passion, for Sherry's passions are really God's word, and she wants women to teach. She wants to teach the women the Bible. She has an unusual passion for it. Thank you for coming on. It's an honor, you guys. Love, love being here with you. So thank you for what you do. Yeah. Well, we have a special reason that we want you on She Is Becoming today. <laughs> we have starting here in just a couple of weeks our fall kickoff for women's Bible study, yes. which we're super excited about. So mom, you are the women's director. Talk to us about Bible study. Should people join? Uh, yes, that would be pretty important for women to join women's Bible study. And I was thinking about this the other day. Susan Hunt has an incredible quote about why we should do Bible study. And she says this, the crisis of womanhood is so critical that there's really no time for a culture of inertia in the church. Feminism has been the only paradigm for womanhood that many women and girls have ever considered. So it takes a radical paradigm shift to understand the essentials of biblical womanhood. And it takes, listen to this, grace, animated obedience to God's word to live biblical womanhood. And so women's Bible studies are the apparatus the church can utilize to educate and to equip women to stand tall and brave in the war for womanhood. And I love that. That's Powerful. It's a great quote, and so, it's, it's, it's for us now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So women's Bible study is for us to understand Christ, mm-hmm. to know him, and to grow in our faith, to be intimate with him. Mm-hmm. And also, it's a call to understand what he has commanded us and what he's told us, and so that we can stand tall ourselves in this war on womanhood. Stephanie, tell us about the women's Bible study. Well, I feel like Genesis couldn't be (laughs) any better suited for that exact aim. I mean, we're going to look at the foundations of absolutely everything. 
including our womanhood. And so I'm super excited um, for all that is to come. And I just feel like the Lord has orchestrated and ordained the study of Genesis for such a time as this. Yes, exactly right. Everything that we need um, and that God wants us to know about the beginning, everything is right there in Genesis. It's a foundational book. Truly, truly. Mm -hmm. Well, some of the other reasons to come to Bible study I Mm -hmm. have experienced for myself was the community aspect. We're in Mm -hmm. a very large church, Mm -hmm. and we need to break that down and get into small groups and get to know one another, where we can care for each other, where we can um, really learn from each other. Also, to truly learn, you know the best way to truly learn? Share what you're learning. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you just keep putting it down the well right. and never yes. getting it out, your, your well is going to become stagnant. You yeah. know, we got to get that bucket out, and we share it with others in our small group, with our families. And so it's a wonderful way to have those blessings as well. Yeah. I know for me, every time that I have been in a hard season of life or in a trial, I have been in a Bible study that is going from God's word, where Mm -hmm. I'm in God's word every day. And even when those times where I wasn't able to maybe finish my lesson, I would still go to Bible study and I would just be poured into by hearing the word, by being around women who were praying for me. And so I think sometimes when we're in a harder season of life, we feel this like, okay, I want to run away from God's people or from women. I don't maybe want to be vulnerable or want them to know what I'm going through, but we need to run to Christ when we're in that season. And the way to do that is by joining women's Bible study. I mean, you'll have that accountability to be in the world. You will have that um, community that Bev was talking about. And so I think women's Bible study is an opportunity for us to run to God instead of running away from him in those seasons. Well, absolutely. And may I add one more thing? We don't do our theology in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. We don't do our Bible study by ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need one another. We need to be sharpened. We need to be held accountable. We don't just say, well, what does this mean to me? We, or whatever, you know, you're looking at God's word and you're like, well, I think this means we actually want to get to the right interpretation of the word. Mm -hmm. So we have the right application Mm -hmm. of the truth. And yep. so we need to be in, in study together. Not it's a just church. Do it it's a yourself. church. It's, it's more than a Bible study. We are the church gathering together mm-hmm. to study God's word. Amen. Mm-hmm. And God, in as only he can do, no matter the text that we're in, it's been my experience. This will be my 15th year of oh my women's Bible study at Grace as like a participant or, you know, serving in that ministry. And at every turn, no matter the text, God has spoken clearly to whatever circumstance I'm facing. Mm -hmm. It amazes me every time, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think sometimes women wonder, well, I don't know if I want to study that book. Is that really what I need? We need the word always in every (laughs) circumstance at every season. It it does. And it's going to, it maybe will speak to my circumstances a little differently than yours. Mm -hmm. But I know even when you have studied these books before, um, I, you know, I've been doing this a lot of time and I just find new gems, new riches, and it takes me deeper into my relationship with Christ. Number one, deeper into God's word. It's bottomless. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So Genesis, um, it details the origin of all things. That's a big deal. And you were talking about that, Stephanie, and it answers really important worldview questions. Those questions are like, why are we here? Who are we? What happened? What went wrong? Why do bad things happen? What's the solution? How are things going to end up? And every person asks these kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. And so there's a process or a way that they come to their solutions. In other words, they will adopt some kind of claim. People will adopt an ideology. 
they think through a philosophy or a religion in order to make sense of life. Mm -hmm. And so the Christian worldview relies on God's revelation of himself through the book. So specifically through Genesis, we can understand how life is, how we interact in this world. But without Genesis, we would not know the answers to any of those worldview questions. Mm -hmm. Without Genesis, we would adopt culture's ideas for these life questions. And we wouldn't have any place for like a Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created, and we need we need Genesis 1-1 to understand the world that we live in and how we fit into this world. Absolutely. We were meant to revolve around him. Yes. Sherry, this sounds yeah. so wonderful. When does the study start? So the registration is open now, and our Bible study starts the week of September 10th. Fantastic. Thank you, Sherry. Sherry, tell us, you just mentioned Genesis 1-1 and the importance of that. Can you go into that a little bit further for us? In the beginning, God. So we start there. Right, Stephanie? Yeah, he is the main story. We Always. are secondary, mm-hmm. right? And so this is about him. And so it's super important that from the beginning we recognize he was. Mm-hmm. He is preexistent. And so, yeah, those first four words of the Bible are significant and not to be missed. Yeah, it starts off starts us off with um, a biblical worldview yeah. that there is a creator yes, and yes. that he is the creator. He is the existing one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what happened before the world, what happened before time, space, and matter? God. Yeah. God was. Right. God is the existing one. He's the uncreated creator. And we need to know this mm-hmm. because we are not a random blob of something. That's right. The uncreated creator created us. And just for that mere fact... I have value. We are valuable because we have a creator, and I'm his creation. Four words. Look at the truth in four words. What a sampling of what Genesis has ahead for us. Yeah, that changes your life. Doesn't it? Just those first words. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's been said the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. So Mm -hmm. you've got to start there. Absolutely. One of the things that I'm really excited about for this year is that we are going to be in Revelation wow. for Sunday morning, and then we're going to get to be in Genesis for Bible study. And we just did a whole episode on this, Bev, but the connection between Genesis and Revelation is truly amazing. It really just shows you how this could only have been written by God. Absolutely. Like they're bookends. Right. They are bookends. And so many of the themes and the mm-hmm. pictures and uh, are, are just connect with Genesis. So you see it's one book written by the same author. Yeah, it's a one big grand unfolding story. So as you're studying Genesis in your Bible study, mm-hmm. you're going to be making those connections. You're going to be seeing those connections with Revelation. Yeah. And that's going to be thrilling. Honestly, it's thrilling. Isn't it, Delaney, when it's we did thrilling. the podcast on that? It was thrilling. So I think you're going to so really many enjoy things. That that mm-hmm. we talked about in Genesis, like that we see in the book of Genesis, we will see unfold throughout scripture and then especially in Revelation. And so you're kind of getting a full picture of God's word in a really unique way. Like what does it look like at the beginning? And then what does it look like at the end? Yeah, absolutely. Like I love how you wrote uh, that line that we're going to meet the serpent slayer. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there we have the very first mention of the gospel and yes. Jesus Christ in Genesis 3.15. Amen. Amen. And then, yeah, we just begin the long story of redemption, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And God bringing his people um, back to himself. Mm-hmm. 
begins in Genesis. So yeah, it brought me to tears many times writing, to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. to see the origin of something, knowing that there's a resolution to it Mm -hmm. someday. And that's so satisfying. It is. God made us a way where we, we want to wrap things up. We want to yeah. know that someone's in control, that this yes. has an ultimate outcome for good. Yes. We need to know that. And we're yes. never going to know that without mm. knowing the beginning and then knowing the end. Absolutely. Mm. Truly writing and studying and reading Genesis, just immersing myself in it, I was struck by what a comfort it became to me. Mm-hmm. It became a daily comfort, especially as um, culture and society and just our world in general feels like it's spinning out of control mm-hmm. more and more every day, right? feels chaotic at every turn. And I would go to the Word and get in Genesis and be comforted by there's a, a designer for all of this. There's a plan. This is actually not out of control. Mm-hmm. And not only is there a plan, there's a sovereign God over all of it. And he is working and he is moving and he has an end in mind. Mm. And so I, I'm excited for women to jump in because I think you're going to find there's such peace um, in understanding more and more about who our God is and, and the, how great the, his love is for us. And it's a perfect place if, if you've never been in a Bible study. Yes. I mean, yes. goodness sakes, you're yeah. starting in From Genesis. The beginning. So yeah. for women out there that are like, I don't know, I've never done a study. I don't know. Start in Genesis and you, I mean, this is the beginning. This is the first book and we're going to, we start in the garden. And then if you're coming to services, then we end back in the garden, back in the the restored garden. And it's spectacular. It's spectacular. How good is God to (laughs) orchestrate this for us this year? Yeah, truly. Stephanie, what was it like having the book of Genesis before you (laughs) and having 50 chapters to cover oh my in not that many weeks yeah. when you really break it down like that right. um tell us your experience of it and how god really used it in your life in a really beautiful way oh good question so it um i will not lie 50 chapters and the most foundational <laughs> book daunting a little bit <laughs> it's a little daunting yeah. it's a little daunting um but but even more so what a privilege hmm. um it was a joy and it was humbling Um, and it was not all on me. I got to be one player in the process. And so, um, it was a challenge to, to get a study time and a writing time. And also I kept telling the Lord, like, Oh, I want to do this justice, like help me. Mm. And so I would say, um, he was more than faithful to take my chunks of time throughout the days and the weeks and begin stringing lessons together that I could then send to a team who would edit, um, who would contribute. I am I am one of several players in this. Good safety net. How oh, wise. So How protective. Wise. It's, yeah. it's, yes. Yes. So it was, effort. it was mm-hmm. beautiful. It was um, overwhelming at times, but in a sweet way. And it was incredibly satisfying also to see that this thing that felt like this huge task, he just helped me and met me daily and weekly to break it down and to get through it. And I I was telling Sherry at the very end, like, I don't want to be done with Genesis. Mm. I just met the Lord in Genesis and I fell in love with the stories of these real people, men and women, Mm. and I identified in their struggles and their suffering and and then I was awed by God's like grace and mercy again and again and again. And so it was beautiful. It was beautiful. 
Yeah. And wow. I mean, that's like a book you'll remember forever. And like that, like leaves an imprint on your heart when you spend that much time in one book of the Bible. Yeah. I mean, there's no way it can't transform you. Absolutely. And I I know Stephanie Mm -hmm. is a writer. Yeah. Yeah. She has, that is a gift. By God's grace. Yeah. Yeah. By God's grace. Truly. It's a gift from him and Mm -hmm. you're using it to God's glory and to bless your church. And we thank you for that. Um, I know with four young children all mm-hmm. going 12 directions. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I wrote sometimes from my car I, at the baseball field. Women need to hear this. When is life, when is it, when are we ever yeah. not busy so we can serve the right. Lord? Right? A hundred percent. Yeah. It was never an uninterrupted time. I'll no, tell you that. But, I'm sure. but here's another nugget. Um, for every hour he gave me in study, and I would say the same is true whether you're writing or just studying or just right. reading. It mm-hmm. takes both. It takes both. He would also give me opportunities with my kids mm. to parrot back what he was just teaching me. Right. So Important. it is such a beautiful thing. Um, don't He doesn't waste that time ever, and we are charged with not wasting that. So everything yeah. you're learning, I would encourage you to, to tell somebody, whether That's it's good. your child, whether it's a neighbor mm-hmm. who's having a rough day, whether it's a family member, whatever, mm-hmm. don't keep it to yourself. But that's that's part of how we also process and grow. And learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, right. absolutely. I think those are called holy interruptions. Oh, amen. <laughs> well, amen. you started you started talking about like how just the people in Genesis and yeah. just what an impact um, just hearing about their lives was. So let's, let's start talking about some of them. Mm-hmm. I want to start with Noah. Okay. Um, what kind of man was Noah that he could execute God's plan to build the ark? I'm sure he felt crazy for a little bit there. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that when I think about Noah, you also have to think about what was happening in Noah's day yeah. in order to really appreciate how God used Noah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, total depravity. It's hard to for us to even understand, but civilization up to that point was just spiraling into great wickedness. Their so much were so only evil, yeah. only evil. Every thought yes. it says, mm-hmm. every intention, and so um, Noah. It says in verse eight of chapter six that Noah found favor with God, and that really is a reference to God's grace resting on Noah. Mm-hmm. His grace came first, mm-hmm. and then it says that Noah was a righteous man. And he walked with the Lord. And, um, you know, that is only he and Enoch are described mm. as two men who walked with the Lord. It, it insinuates a close, intimate fellowship, a communion with the Lord. And we read repeatedly in, the, in chapter 6 that Noah did all that God commanded of him. And so by God's grace, um, Noah was enabled, his faith and his righteousness and his obedience to God's word were part of why God chose him to build the ark. Like he was, um, you know, he, he operated with integrity. He mm-hmm. followed God's instructions to the T at a time when literally no one yeah. cared or listened or followed God's word. And because of that, he and his family were saved. And so I think, you know, Noah wasn't perfect also. Yeah. though He wasn't saved because he was righteous. Mm-hmm. He was saved by God's grace and, and Noah's a good example of how we see um, real faith that produces real works, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I, I think there's a comfort in knowing that Noah's also just human mm-hmm. like us. And he gets off the ark and things yeah. start to fall right. apart with Noah and his family. And yet God's mercy, God is there. Um, and we see this pattern over and over and over again. 
And so um, Noah was a righteous man, but Noah was enabled by the grace of God. Yeah. And Noah would have had had to have had such tremendous fear of the Lord mm-hmm. to do this task that, I mean, you, you've never even had water before. Like it's that, never that rained. You, yeah, you've, it's never rained. Yeah. There's no water. You've probably you've never heard of a boat to build the first, and not even a little boat, a massive boat. Yes. Where everyone was probably looking at him like, who are you, you crazy man? Mm-hmm. Like they the didn't fear of the him, Lord right. that he would have, I think it's, doesn't it say they mocked him? Yes. Yeah. To the fear of the Lord and that he would have had to have had, I mean, is Well, absolutely. Incredible. And I think also we have to remember that sometimes we um, we major on the minors in the account of Noah. And mm-hmm. so we want, we think about the animals, which is super interesting, yeah. right? That, that God brought those animals to him. That's mm-hmm. important. Two by two. Right, two by two. Mm-hmm. But we can't, we can't miss the bigger point, mm-hmm. which is the sin was so great. Yeah. It demanded uh, a consequence. It, it, God's judgment had to come, but even in his judgment, there was mercy. Yeah. He provided a way out for any, anybody could have gotten on the ark. Nobody wanted to, mm-hmm. nobody regarded it. And so that is the bigger thrust, mm-hmm. um, is that, that we see the power of sin and the destruction of sin, and we see how seriously God takes it. And it is, um, it's an echo to how, you know, sin will be judged in the future as well. Yeah. And the last days. Um, so there's a lot to, man, there's a lot to catch in well, and I'm, Noah. I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I hear people when they talk about the Old Testament, they'll say, well, you know, the God of the Old Testament is such a violent God. Mm-hmm. And you think about like, you know, you, there's a worldwide flood. Like if you don't know scripture, you can maybe start to kind of go down that route of, okay, well, is he? I mean, he, he just took out everybody. So I love that you brought that up, that there was still grace in that. Mm-hmm. Like God gave them an opportunity to get on the ark. Yeah. And there was, I mean, here you have a huge message right now of you're seeing this guy build this huge ark. There's your opportunity. And they didn't. Yeah. And so that's their unrepentance you're always going to see a pattern of judgment and mercy Yeah, in Genesis. Mm-hmm. So when his judgment comes, there will always also be an invitation for mercy, an extension of his mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful thought. Yeah. Can we move on now to either Babel or Babel? How, do we, how are you pronouncing it? <laughs> yeah, I say Babel, but you I, say could Babel. Be, I could be incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> Sherry, how do you pronounce it? Babel. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe technically it's Babel. <laughs> <laughs> we grew up with Babel, but I think it is Babel. Uh, So how would you describe the group of people in the account of the Tower of Babel? Yeah, well, you know, um, I think here we see like a a real rebellion in humanity once Mm -hmm. again. Um, God had given the command that they were to multiply and scatter, and he had purpose and he had intention in that. And instead, um, they did their own thing. And they decided to band together with Nimrod, (laughs) of all the people to lead them, right? to build a city and to um, begin to tout their own accomplishment and to create a name for themselves. And almost with one voice of rebellion, they began doing this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously this was a direct violation of what God had commanded them to do. And so again, in his mercy, he brought judgment and mm-hmm. he came down. And that's important to know. He came from heaven mm-hmm. because they could not reach him, no matter how hard mm-hmm. they tried, no matter mm-hmm. how hard they, how tall they built this thing. Well, we, we want to build our own way to God, don't yeah. we? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not possible. And so he reminded them, you know, he said, let us come down. 
Um, and, and he frustrated them, their plans and he scattered them and he confused them. And that was mercy to get them to do what yeah. he had commanded right. them to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think we see, you know, we can be instructed by that because how often do we want to make our lives about what we can do, mm-hmm. what we can accomplish, what we can build? And, and the question I think for us is, is your life at the end of your life, do you want it to be more about what you've done or do you want it, your life to build a story of who God is and what he has done mm-hmm. and for good. his great name, right? Right. That's good. For his fame, yeah. not our own. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then he follows that account with the call of Abram. Yeah. And what's beautiful about that is that he, all the things they were trying to do, God picks this one man. Yeah. And he makes an oath with him, a promise with him. And he starts to say, guess what I'm going to make? your name great. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make you into a great nation because yeah. this was God's intention all along. Right. They just thought that they could circumvent him and do their own thing. And he had a plan and he, uh, he's always going to stick to his plan. Mm-hmm. And so there's just, there are so many things like that in Genesis where, you know, you see this, you see man's attempt at something and then you see his great failure mm-hmm. and God's merciful. Mm-hmm. God is merciful. And he says, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to do this my way again. <laughs> And follow me. And he calls Abram. And then he begins this beautiful, this beautiful um, building of the Hebrew people. Yeah, which we should talk about because Genesis, you know, is sticks with Abram and Abraham for 23 chapters. Yeah, right. So big chunk. Yeah. So why is Abraham so important that Genesis would spend 23 chapters on him? Well, I think, you know, in those first 11 chapters, one of the main um, aims of, of that period of time was to keep the promise of the seed alive, mm-hmm. you know, the promise from Genesis 3.15, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. talked about. And so you see God preserving that. Um, and then in Genesis 12, there's kind of a pivot mm-hmm. in which he chooses Abram. He calls him out from a pagan nation, and he, um, he is going to bless him. And he is going to use him, but he's not just going to keep the blessing for Abraham alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From Abraham, he's going to expand now. And he promises that the seed is going to come, the heir is going to come through Abraham, and the heir is going to bless the entire world. Mm -hmm. And so it's this beautiful um, unfolding of his promise that was has not changed, but it has gotten grander. Mm -hmm. And so through Abraham, I mean, we are going to see... He's really the forerunner, the father of our faith, of, of, the, of the Israelite people, right, and, and of God's chosen people. And so I think in 23 chapters, the stage is set and begins to unfold. And I think what's beautiful is we see these patterns, um, also these characteristics of God through the narrative of Abraham's life. We begin to see how God interacts with man. Mm-hmm. Um, we see characteristics of who God really is. We see foreshadows of Jesus Christ. Right. Um, and that all begins. So the life of the patriarchs really, you know, from Abraham to Joseph is many, many years and several generations, but Abraham was the beginning of it all. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's so many beautiful things that we're going to see and learn about God. Mm -hmm. Mm. Thank you for sharing that because I love how you explain that. I think sometimes we just hear Abraham and we're like, why does this matter? And who, who cares? But I think that when you explain it like that, it makes sense that, you know, Abraham is that character in Genesis where we do start to see how God relates to his creation. And mm-hmm. we start to see, you know, how 
through covenants, like how God relates to his people. And so I love that you brought that up. But we also know that Genesis focuses a lot on Abraham's family, Mm -hmm. Um, specifically Abraham's son, Isaac. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just talk a little bit about that, that character, the story and the story of Isaac? And then what do you think, like, do you think Isaac was always living in his father's shadow? Like, what are some strengths and weaknesses that we see through the character of Isaac? Yeah, so Isaac, Isaac's an interesting guy. Sometimes he um, he's he's known as the lightweight a little bit of the patriarchs only because there's six chapters devoted to him. Mm-hmm. But that's not really a fair assessment of who he was. Um, he actually lived longer than Abraham, and he lived longer than his son Jacob. But he was different. He was different than them. And um, Isaac is interesting because Isaac begins very well. Um, in his faith journey. And so we were introduced to Isaac, you know, he's the promised son and it's a mir- his birth is a miracle. Right. Um, then we see, you know, when um, Abraham is called to sacrifice Isaac and Isaac willingly gets on mm. that altar as a young man, like, a, you know, he's not a little child when that happens. And so you think, goodness, like what's Isaac going to do? And his pursuit of Rebecca is beautiful and excellent. In fact, the, some of the longest uh, verses are dedicated to their love story yeah. um, in Genesis. And so he starts very well, but Isaac's faith hits a plateau kind of in, in his middle years. And um, he does some things. He falls into some sin patterns of his father. He, um, he is faced with the temptation, just like his father, to flee when things are hard. When hard times came, Abraham had a pattern of running to Egypt. And every time he did, it did not go well for him. Mm-hmm. And Isaac has a similar um, habit. And he also faced his father's temptation to lie, specifically about his wife. Yeah. Abraham did that mm-hmm. with Sarah a couple times. And here, Isaac turns around and does it and yeah. says Rebecca is his sister. And so um, that was not great. He avoided confrontation. Abraham usually kind of got to the, the source of things and settled things. Isaac did not. Now, that did produce peace with his neighbors, but Isaac's home was yeah. a place of warfare. Yeah, mm, um, Yeah, lots of failures at home. And so we see Isaac's story. So this is what I love about studying all of Genesis, yeah. is we're going to see through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through Joseph, and then lots of other characters in there too. Um, we're going to see that that believers are different, and we all face different trials, and we all have different strengths and weaknesses, Right. And we all make mistakes, Mm -hmm. sometimes big ones. And God does not abandon any of us. And God was never ashamed to call um, himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Joseph, despite their failures. And there are many failures. There are many successes too. Um, But Isaac is one that begins well, and then he's sort of a um, cautionary tale. He does not end well. Mm. And so there's some instruction. There is. For us in that. A, a lot there yeah. for us. And talk about not being perfect. Mm-hmm. There's one of my favorites out of Genesis is Jacob. Oh, mm-hmm. Jacob, I Jacob. know. Jacob, tell us about him. He is an interesting character. There's nine chapters for him. W- what are some principles you could take from his life for us, mm-hmm. Stephanie? Where are we going with that? Oh, Jacob, I, I grew to love Jacob. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think because Jacob is a messy guy. His story is a little bit messy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of highs and lows with Jacob. So we have instances where, um, you know, Jacob will respond in great faith and he will do something for the Lord that you're like, yes, 
way to go, Jacob. And then in the next breath, he's back to deceiving and scheming and yeah. plotting and trying to figure things in his own strength. And so I identified often with Jacob and was like, oh, I do that too. And I think um, there's some there's some comfort in Jacob's humanity, but God did some really beautiful things, um, the wrestling match with Jacob. Yeah. I can't wait for women to get to that portion mm-hmm. and to study what God does here and um, you know, Jacob was somebody who had spent a lot of his life wrestling, wrestling with his brother Esau, fighting for the birthright. Mm-hmm. Um, even with his dad Isaac, he, there was deception between the two of them. Um, with his father-in-law Laban, mm-hmm. that's an interesting account. You know, Jacob the deceiver gets a taste of his own medicine when he himself is deceived yeah. by his father-in-law, and he has to bear out the consequences. Um, How about his? own family, Stephanie. His wives. His family. Yes. T- let's talk about Jacob's family life. Yeah. Four wives. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> oh, that would go real well. <laughs> Four wives and, and, and Jacob, you know, God honored Jacob and made him the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. However, because four women were involved in that, there was a lot of pain. Jacob's house was divided. It was a house of strife. It was competitive. Um, Jacob really only loved one of those women, and so you can imagine how the tension, yeah, that the would jealousy, have brought, and, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, not not he did not do well as a father <laughs> for most of his years, or a husband really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, I think um, there's just a beautiful thing though in that God never abandoned Jacob. God never gave up on Jacob, and and we see. Even as Joseph's story, one of his sons, begins to unfold, there's some redemption for Jacob even in that, um, but there's there are consequences that have eaten away and taken years from Jacob. He had to face the music for some of the choices that he made. Um, and so, you know, I think we see that um, Jacob was made strong when he was made weak, Yeah, when he was broken by the Lord in that wrestling match um god says to him at the end of that like what is your name and what's interesting about that is um he was asked that question once before by his father and Mm. he lied and so god's not asking jacob like what's your name because he forgot his name Mm. he wants jacob to come face to face with who he is like jacob are you going to still be the deceiver are you going to are you going to live up to that name are you going to let me remake you and rename you because I've got a new start for you. Mm-hmm. And we see God do that and, and, and call him Israel from that point mm-hmm. forward. But then it's interesting because in the narrative, it goes back and forth from calling Jacob, Jacob or Jacob Israel. Yeah. And that's because when he's called Jacob, he's going back to old sin patterns. Ooh, and I never called that. Israel, he's living up to what God has called him to do. Wow. So isn't that like an interesting, don't we do the same? Like, we're, we're prone and tempted to fall back into those sin patterns. And God has to remind us who we are, yeah. who he says we are. That's powerful. Yeah. So let's talk about Jacob's son now, Joseph. Um, I know that that is, Joseph's story is one of our favorites. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like I, me and Bev have talked about Joseph a lot on the podcast, but we want to hear from you. Like um, Jacob's son, Joseph is often seen as a picture of Christ. Can you just kind of tease that out for us? Yeah, he is a picture of Christ, and and I think what's also beautiful is he was always meant to be. Yeah, he was meant to be. His story was meant to picture 
Jesus's story. It was meant to point us to the the one who was coming. Joseph was a beloved son, just like Jesus. Um, Joseph was a fruitful sufferer. Mm -hmm. So he went through some unbelievable suffering. It was unjust suffering. And yet God um, produced this. What's interesting is about um, Joseph is, you know, Isaac, I talked about, started well, finished poorly. Mm -hmm. Jacob, up and down and up and down. Joseph is really more of a picture of what it's like when we, as we become more and more conformed to Christ. There was a steady, faithful progression in Joseph's life, and a lot of that was born in the years of his suffering. Hmm. Um, and so that's that's beautiful about him. And then he becomes this exalted savior um, at the end of the narrative. I, I love this parallel because um, one of the things that Joseph did well when he was um, given a position of great power is he planned ahead. He listened to the Lord's warnings about famine and he ended up creating these stockpiles. And so when there was this great worldwide need, guess who they came to? Mm -hmm. Not only the people of Egypt came to Joseph for food and his own family was blessed also by that, but the whole world came for food. And so Joseph, in a way, became a savior, a, a person, a figure that saved humanity at that yeah. point. And so, you know, we see the parallels, right? Right. I mean, there are many others. He was hated, of course, by his brothers. And, you know, Jesus was rejected by his own, right? Yeah. And God positioned Joseph to be in that place with yes. that influence to save just the way that God positioned Christ to yes. do the same for yes. us. Yes, absolutely. And you know, another beautiful thing I didn't realize until I was really in the, the story is there are no miracles in the story of Joseph. God does not intervene in a miraculous way. Do you know how he intervenes? Through providence and through just mm. the underworkings, all that his hand is all over Joseph's oh, life. Yeah. He, is, mm -hmm. he is moving people and he is interceding and he is setting things up, but it's all quiet. And many times Joseph is wondering, like, what about me? And God's never forgotten him. He's all along orchestrated everything for his glory and Joseph's good the whole time. Um, and yet we many times just want God to, like, pull him out of prison, like yeah. miraculously, like, you know, open the prison doors. Rescue is not Rescue. always the most loving thing. Yeah. It's not. It's not. God had, had plans and lessons for Joseph. And, and all the while was also doing things in Joseph's family the whole time too. And yeah. so I love that. Um, I think that's so helpful for us because, you know, suffering is, is a common thing that we all experience, right? And, and nobody likes it. And Joseph certainly didn't like it, but God had intention and God had purpose and God had uh, redemption in his suffering. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot that we're going to learn about how to suffer well as we study Joseph. But ultimately, all of these people, so Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and many other people, they did things well, some of them at certain times. They, they failed. They are never meant to be the main points in Genesis. Right. They, are, they are secondary storylines, mm -hmm. um, always and forever. Genesis is about God, and it points from the beginning to the end to the promised Savior who will one day come and save the world and save those who, you know, respond to him. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, I hope that, that we will be reminded as we study to, yes, 
these stories are so good and there's nuggets galore, but always to, to pull back a little mm-hmm. bit yeah. and to look up and, and ask the, te- the text, what am I seeing about God here? Mm-hmm. Um, because he is the point. Yeah. yeah. The most important point. He is. Always. Ooh, always. She's got me excited about Genesis. Oh, <laughs> me too. Me too. One of my favorite books. I just, uh, every verse is such a treasure it is. in there. And you've explained it and given us some real, a mm-hmm. lot of things to think about and to look forward to as, as we study this book. God. Yeah. And I just thank you so much, Stephanie, yeah. for your time today. Once again, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we Serving love having the Lord in this mm-hmm. way. And Sherry, so nice to have yes. you with us on this podcast. Yes. Thank and you. if you haven't signed up for Bible study, go no. sign up. Don't Absolutely. Wait. Bev and I go Absolutely. together too. The, yeah. Wednesday nights, I think. So yeah. just I'll a Wednesday, Wednesday night, night plug. Night. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys so much for being on. Um, we just love both of you. And we just thank you for your ministry and for serving the women at Grace. We are just truly blessed by you. Um, Bev, will you pray to close us? I would love to. Heavenly Father, your greatness is evident when we open your word, especially when we open this book of Genesis, Lord, as the creator, and then as the sovereign God who has the divine redemptive plan for mankind, and how you take us, mankind, men, women, in our weaknesses, and use us to accomplish your ultimate purposes. It's a marvelous, marvelous thing. We marvel at you, your greatness, your love, your redemption, and your always present grace. Help us to choose that grace. In Christ's name we've prayed. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming.